0: If you would take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, as we look again at this parable of the two builders who built two houses, Matthew 7, beginning with verse 24, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. of it. This is the Word of God. Let us pray. God, our Father, once again, we come asking for Your grace and mercy, asking for You, O God, the Holy Spirit, to open our hearts, to open our minds, to enable us to hear Your Word, and then, Father, for grace to do it. And we ask that You would teach us today to set me apart as Your means to communicate Your Word to Your people. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen may be seated. Well, last week we began looking at this parable that comes at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, and some years ago we studied the Sermon on the Mount, and so Jesus in this sermon is showing us what His disciples look like. He talks about the character and nature of His disciples, and then He goes about teaching how they are to live as His disciples in this world. And the very last section of the Sermon on the Mount is a section of application that we find in chapter 7, verses 13 through the end of the chapter. And in verses 13 through 14, Jesus calls His disciples to enter the narrow gate. And as they enter that narrow gate, they will be on a hard and narrow way. In verse 15 through 20, our Lord tells us that those who are on this journey will experience obstacles. And one of those obstacles will be false teachers or false prophets who come that will try to deceive the people of God into believing falsehoods. And then the very last part of the Sermon on the Mount is a parable that Jesus gives. And in this parable, Jesus is warning His people about self-deception. It is true that on this journey, we are to be careful not to be deceived by false prophets, but on this journey, we are to be careful not to deceive ourselves. The first message on this parable last week, we looked at the foolish builder that we find in the latter portions of the parable. And as you remember, this, this builder wanted to quickly erect this house, and I'm sure it was a very fine quality of a house, but he wanted to enjoy the benefits of the house, and so what did he do? He quickly built it, but he didn't pay any attention to the foundation, that which would be hidden from view. He wanted to focus on that which would be outwardly visible to people, and so he actually constructed this house on sand, and it proved to be a faulty foundation. And Jesus' purpose in giving this parable is to warn His disciples not to be self-deceived into thinking they have a valid profession of faith, but in reality, they are basing their profession of faith on a faulty foundation like building on sand instead of a rock. And what Jesus calls us to consider is that someone may be a hearer of God's Word and outwardly may may appear to be a doer of God's Word, but yet in reality, deep down inside, in their heart, they are not found to be a genuine doer of the Word. We ended last Sunday with this solemn question, am I like that false builder? Have I built my house? Have I based my Christian life? Have, have I put my profession of faith on a faulty foundation? I think this is a, a helpful thing for us to do, even those of us who are sure and certain of our position in Christ, but perhaps in some way, even as a believer, that, that we have strayed onto some aspect of a faulty foundation, and we need correction. If Christ and His Word is not the foundation of your life, your foundation is unstable and it is is faulty. Now today we want to look at the wise builder, and and he represents someone with a genuine profession of faith. And, And notice what this wise builder does. He builds this house literally from the foundation up, and the house is indestructible. We want to look at that today and apply it uh, to our lives, and you'll see in your bulletin that last week's sermon was basically point one, this week's sermon will be points two and three, and so you can, you can follow along. Now last week I, I began the sermon using this illustration of the sunken part of our west parking lot before the dumpster and that represents a faulty foundation will be of good cheer. Even before last Sunday it was being dealt with. We've got people on it. So hopefully in the near future that foundation problem will be rectified but today I want to open with an illustration that is just the opposite from last Sunday a faulty foundation. We want to look at a sure and certain foundation. Now, when I say the term "the rock," I know some of you may think of that world wrestling guy, and uh, but that's not who I'm talking about. When I when I hear "the rock," I think of Alcatraz Island, that rugged 22-acre. Rock landmass that rises about 131 feet above the San Francisco Bay. It has been a solid foundation for a number of things. Before the U.S. government uh, had possession of it in the 1800s, it was a bird sanctuary, prob- probably from creation up until the U.S. government got a hold of it. So it was a foundation for pelicans. In fact, Alcatraz is translated island of pelicans and then in 1850 the U.S. government put a military post on there and Alcatraz Island was was part of a triad of defensive structures to to defend San Francisco Bay and then in 1854 there was the first lighthouse so I'm told on the west coast that was erected there on Alcatraz Island. Well, most of us know about Alcatraz with the federal penitentiary that was there from 1934 um, to 1963. But maybe something you did not know is that Alcatraz Island actually served as a foundation for teepees. Did you know that? In 1969 and 1971, the island was actually taken over by Native American uh, Native Americans who were upset with the government for trying to terminate some of the tribes. And so they took over Alcatraz Island in protest. And you can see pictures of teepees uh, erected there on the island. Well, what is it today? Since 1972, Alcatraz Island is part of the National Park Service. It is a national historic uh, site or landmark. But yet this island represents a solid foundation that has securely allowed numerous things throughout its existence uh, to take place. And any wise builder would love to build on a foundation that was so stable and so sure. But yet in this parable, we find that Alcatraz Island represents just a a dim view of the one and only sure and certain foundation to our lives, and that is Christ, a foundation more solid than a rugged rock island in San Francisco Bay. And that foundation, the rock, and notice the Scripture text Talks about building not on a rock or any rock, but on the rock. The rock is Christ and his teaching. In verse 24, we read, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a man who built his house on the rock. Now I want to begin by asking the question: how do we understand this rock, this foundation? And I want to speak a bit more personal today, just my, my, my understanding about this very crucial subject that we find here at the end of Jesus' sermon. When Renee and I were in San Francisco back in July. The coldest winter I ever spent was summer in San Francisco. Some people believe Mark Twain said that. There's not really any good evidence, but someone said that, Uh, and though we may not know exactly who the author is, I can testify to the reality of that, that the coldest uh, winter ever spent was summer in San Francisco, because at the end of July, I were in San Francisco, and we took the bay cruise. And just about froze to death. But it was a wonderful cruise. We got to cruise under the Golden Gate Bridge, or at least what we could see of it because of the fog. And then the highlight, for me at least, was that we made two trips in close proximity to Alcatraz Island. And so I kind of got to see the island up close and personal uh, from the uh, frigid confines of a cruise, little cruise ship. And I was really impressed with just how massive and how sure and certain that, that island seems to be. And, of course, you've got on top the, the buildings, uh, historic buildings from the prison and those sorts of things. But as I reflect upon that experience of kind of have firsthand knowledge of what Alcatraz Island looks like from the vantage point of a boat on the water, it has caused me to think about the foundation of my life. Christ. And so I just want to reflect with you, just some today, about some things that I that that have come to my mind from Scripture about Christ as the rock, the foundation for our very lives. I affirm. What Jesus says about himself in John chapter 14 and verse 6. He said, This, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to me except through the Father. You see, part of that foundation is this claim that Christ makes that He is the narrow gate, He is the door into the sheepfold, John 10. He is the only way to heaven. It's an exclusive claim isn't it? And by God's grace, He unites us to Christ in saving faith. He enables us to see our sin. He enables us to see our need for a Savior. And He enables us to turn from sin and flee to Christ with all speed. And as I reflect upon Christ, I reflect upon Him as a sure and certain way of salvation that will always stand and never fail. And dear friends, we can be certain that if Christ has laid hold of us and we ever respond in repentance and faith, that nothing can snatch us out of His hand. Is that not glorious news? And another part of that foundation for me really has to do with the term justification. And I'm not going to talk about justification and adoption and sanctification in uh, lofty theological terms, but more personal, though based on the Bible. You know, as I just have reflected upon the Sermon on the Mount, upon this parable, upon the Alcatraz uh, Island uh, cruise, and just thinking about foundation, my, oh, my, am I so thankful I want to say it again, I am so thankful and blown away that my position before the throne of God in heaven is not based upon how I'm doing in living the Christian life. Because if it were based on how I am doing in living the Christian life, I would be cast out of heaven. The Pharisees, those that Jesus rebuked time and time again throughout His sermon on the mount, were those who were all about outward performance. They believed that their position before God was based on how well they could keep the tradition of the elders and the Pharisees, and Jesus time and time again rebuked them from holding to the letter of the law while violating the spirit of the law. And Jesus was not at all demeaning the law, but he was simply pointing out that man is incapable of obeying good enough to be justified. And what does the Scripture say about our effort? It is but what? Filthy rags. And what makes me think that I can offer God in and of myself anything that would cause him to want to justify me. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 3. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law of the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace. And listen to this, as a gift, says the Apostle Paul, through the redemption that is Christ Jesus, whom God put forth as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. Now, I know most of you here today, and I know most of you here today know the definition of justification, and I know what I just read from Paul. You've read many times and you affirm it. And yet we need to come to this truth as if we just heard it because of how unbelievable it is that God would justify us as a gift. Do you get it? do you see the wonder of it? Are you blown away by it? The wise builder knows that his own good works are a faulty foundation at best. They're filthy rags but as I reflect upon that solid rock island all the more am I thankful for the solid rock Jesus who is the justifier of God's people. And He has taken my filthy rags. He has taken my sin. He has taken my soiled garments, and He has bore them Himself on the cross and paid in full for the penalty that is mine by right and by actions. And he has not left me unclothed. What has he done? He has taken his perfect righteousness, and he has adorned me with it. The Bible says that we're to be, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 48, we're to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Nothing but a perfect righteousness will do. And the glory of the gospel is this. Jesus has given us a perfect righteousness as a gift He's imputed righteousness upon us he's pardoned the guilt of our sin he's clothed us with his righteousness on the merits of Christ and on the merits of Christ alone I have my standing that's a rock that we are to stand on that's a rock that will never fail that's a rock that will never give way That's a rock that will stand tall in the fiercest storm. Think of Satan's accusations coming at you, coming at me. And yet, we stand not on our own righteousness, not on our own little pitiful foundation of of good works, but we stand on the rock of Christ, who is the justifier of God's people. And for those who have been justified on the merits of Christ, we find even more grace. You might say, how can that be that we find more grace? Justification's fantastic, right? But listen to Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7. This personally, to me, this is looking at justification and adoption, they're just so precious, Because God has not only dealt with our legal status before Him and before the law and justification. He's freed us from the demands of the law. And Paul says salvation can't come by one observing the law through personal work and effort. We're not good enough but he's also freed us from a horrible family and a horrible father, Satan. But when the fullness of time had come, God said, or Paul said, rather in Galatians 4, God said it to Paul and Paul said it to us. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth a son born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, I'm a father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You see, what God has done here is that he has freed us up both in our justification and our adoption to love him and to serve him without fear of him saying, bad, bad boy, you don't get into heaven. Because our getting into heaven, our position before Him is based upon Christ as the justifier of God's people, an adoption that is a gift from God. And this leads us to the third point of your sermon outline, the second point for the day. And just quickly, when we look at the foundation, and I've just simply scratched the surface of we could say so much more about Christ being the foundation But certainly, Christ being the way, Christ being the justifier, and God adopting us in Christ as His children where we have the spirit of adoption, that foundation then enables us to live, i.e., build our house on something that is lasting, that is eternal, that will never fail us. And I think what the, the parable leads me to think about is this, this instructable house that is built really is our journeying down the path, the narrow way in living the Christian life. It's, it's the journey of a disciple. Now, those buildings on Alcatraz Islands, they're a museum. It's a national landmark. They're no longer functioning as they were intended to be, but not so for you and for me we are we have lives and and our our house our building that is being erected on this foundation is vital and it is alive and god is is in the business of sanctifying us and progressing us putting to death sin more and more enabling us more and more to live unto righteousness and even when we mess up even when we struggle with sin on this journey we are not rejected but we are brought to repentance and forgiven and restored and this is why because of the foundation as the Apostle Paul was building his house in a sense living the Christian life under grace this is why the Apostle Paul was able to say, Because of this sure and certain foundation, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We see justification there. And then later on in Romans chapter 8, that was 8, 1 through 4, and 8, 12 through 15, the Apostle Paul speaks of our adoption. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if by the Spirit you will put to death, the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, I'm a father. And here's the point. We've been liberated as we are founded on this sure and certain foundation, the rock of Christ we, are, we have been liberated to build our house as those who are justified, those who are united to Christ, those who have saving faith, and we have that assurance and that status even today in heaven of our position before God, and He will never refuse us, but we also build the house as a son and daughter of God. We have freedom to love God and to serve Him and to obey Him as we are founded on this sure and certain uh, foundation. Remember what James says, Be doers of the word and hearers only. And because of that foundation, we are enabled to be a doer of the word James also says, faith without works is dead. And as we are founded on this solid foundation, we are able to rest assured that faith is genuine. Christ gives us the ability to rest in Him. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works that no one can boast. This is a reminder of the grace of Christ in redeeming us. But then, chapter 2 and verse 10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you see the relationship there? We are saved not because of the good works that we have done, but we are saved for good works. And the point of Jesus' parable is to say that for those who are founded on this solid rock, the rock, That which is visible, the house, the journey of the Christian life will be consistent with it, will be those good works that God has prepared beforehand. So in one sense, if you want to judge the genuineness of your profession or test the foundation on which you rest, simply look at your life. Is your great desire to live out of a heart of obedience, in obedience to Christ, and to love Him in light of all that He has done uh, for you. And as we just bring this to a conclusion, I simply want to encourage us with this, that that as we journey down this road, build upon the foundation, and as we seek to be about those good works that God has called us to do, as as we are building uh, this house we do experience much blessing and joy in the Christian life. But also the difficulty and the trouble will come. And there, are, there is the spiritual warfare that, that we will suffer. There, there are the accusations of Satan. There are storms that are fierce and that bear down upon us. And some days my house... That which is built upon the rock looks pretty shabby. The uh, paint may be peeling, Uh, the wind may may blister it, Uh, there may be pieces of boards uh, hanging off. But yet because the foundation is sure, that building is going to stand. And that really is the point that I want to make today for you and me is that there are joys and blessings in this life, but the troubles are there as well. And when trouble comes, it will show the quality of the foundation on which you've built your life. And for those that are built upon the rock, though the house may be buffeted and there may be all kinds of imperfections in it, yet it will stand. And I've been encouraged in in thinking about this personally. And I hope that you've been encouraged as well. And one last thought, as I reflect upon looking at this rugged rock island representing a sure and certain foundation, it has reminded me of another way just to think about the foundation of my life, Christ, and it's not an old rugged rock island but in reality isn't it an old rugged cross that really represents all that Christ has done for me that solid foundation and that I that I have the blessing of being found on him today I would just encourage you to think about what is the foundation of your life is it Christ the way to God, the justifier of God's people, the one who adopts the justified and makes them his children, and then the one who enables us in the power of the Holy Spirit to journey down that road, to build that house that is known as the Christian life, all for the glory of God and for the good of the saint. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, I ask you to work mightily in our lives today, that we would be reminded of how great and glorious you are, that we would seek you, and that we would be reminded of the blessing of being founded on you, the sure and certain rock. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.